This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined again by Federico Vitici. Hi, Fraser. How are you? Hey, not too bad. I don't know if you can hear in the microphone the rain that's pounding outside. It's absolutely torrential here today, but uh, I think we're getting the tail end of some hurricane or something. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. If the house washes away during the podcast, we'll just post what we get. Well, I, I cannot hear a thing, so okay. uh, it's it should be in, good enough for podcasting. Yeah. Uh, Federico, I've got a confession before we go any further, which is a few listeners had emailed me to ask uh, wh- what happened to Canvas episode 67. Uh, and the answer is, if you go in, if you go on the Canvas website, really.fm slash Canvas, you'll notice that the episode numbers go um, 66, 68, 69, and this episode 70. Um, and the truth of the matter is that I had an accident when uploading a file, uh, the, which is the, the show with David Sharty, number 68, that should have been number 67, but I made a mistake with the CMS and I, I missed what I had done and I accidentally made two episodes of the same thing. So uh, there actually is no episode 67. It's uh, it's the lost episode, I'm afraid. There, there, not, there's not a show that Andy's missing, but it's just I got the numbers out of sequence on the CMS. So that's on, that's my fault, but uh, just keep listening and everything will be fine. So, so that's the great mystery yeah. of Canvas 67. <laughs> yes, the, the 67 question. We'll call it that. Okay. Very mysterious. <laughs> All right. We'll keep it um, like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so today we're talking about what I think is kind of... Initially, I thought it's crazy to to talk about this topic in a single episode of the show. Yeah. But then the way you, you sort of framed the discussion, I think it makes a lot of sense. We're talking about task managers in 2018... Yep. But with a twist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, the way I, I sort of thought about this, Federico, is not to try and do a kind of full overview of, of all the task managers that are in the App Store because, you know, that's a that's three months worth of shows at this point because there are hundreds and hundreds. But really what I wanted to do, first of all, was to look at what are the, what are the kind of major trends that we're seeing in 2018 and how has the category as a whole changed since the early days? I mean, task management was... And one of the first things we got iPhones for, you know, and we had OmniFocus in, in a very early time and we had um, things as well. And, and and then Apple put reminders in and so on. And it's always been a kind of useful thing that an iPad, iPad or an iPhone was good for was managing your tasks and dealing with your to-do list and all this kind of stuff. But I think we're looking at very different beasts today. Many of the same names are around, but a lot of these apps are now in their version three and, and sometimes beyond and the world seems has changed a lot in that time. And I think it, we can sort of use task managers as a way to reflect on how iOS as a, an ecosystem has changed over that time. And I think probably the first thing I would say on that is that all of these systems now, and they are systems because many of these apps also have either web-based components or, or Mac apps as well, is that this world has become an iOS first world, really. If you think about the way that development is happening in a lot of these apps, it seems to be coming to iOS first. Yeah, and it, and it didn't used to be this way. I remember when when I started Mac Stories uh, almost ten years ago, and it was quite the opposite that all the task managers were on the Mac, and uh, you know the idea of web apps and web services with APIs and mobile clients it was not there. Um, if only because you know uh, mobile networks were not as good as they are today. Three uh, G was just getting started, and so the idea of having a task manager that allowed you to you know manage tasks 
and sync them in real time. I mean, the iPhone didn't even have push notifications like we have today. And the idea of downloading tasks with attachments on the go wasn't necessarily, you know, a good idea because mobile networks were kind of crappy. Um, and also the fact that the people were just not using iPhones and later iPads as their main computers. So there was the idea of you... I remember one of the first versions of things um, for for iPhone OS and later iOS. It it didn't even have um, cloud sync, but you could only sync your tasks when you were at home on the same Wi-Fi network. Uh, and and a bunch of apps actually did this. That there was the idea of you use your phone and then you go back home and you load new data onto your phone <laughs> and then you go out again and you and you use it. Then you go back home because the the computer, the Mac, was the was the the center of that the was your cloud? of yeah. the hub. That was the cloud. And yeah. now it's the complete opposite. Now we either live in a web browser. If usually when you're at work, you use a web browser, you use something like, you know, you either use a Chromebook or you use, you know, my mom, for example, she spends her entire day in a, in a, in some kind of version of internet explorer <laughs> because that's what she needs to do. Or you have your phone with you all the time. And so the idea of what's the primary computer, well, it's the one that you have to use all the time. And these days, it tends to be either a web browser or a phone. So it's, it's the complete opposite of what it used to be. And that has sort of appended the market for task managers on iOS, where now we are in the situation where we have thousands of task managers for the iPhone. Um, slightly fewer of those for the iPad and just a fraction of them on the Mac as well. Um, yeah, yeah. In many ways, the Mac is being sort of brought along for the ride by a web-based interface. So even if you are sitting at a Mac, you're probably not getting a native app as such. You're, you're being offered a web interface to um, to the system as a whole. And I think what, one of the things that also goes along with that, Federico, is, is a sort of recognition that I think comes... Uh, as much from the GTD book as anything else, the Getting Things Done book, that task management is something that is designed to be done on the fly. It's, it's, it's an activity that you do out in the world, you know, not and it's not just your shopping list or your yeah. errands or whatever, but it's also, you know, you're you're sitting on a train, you're you're in a car with somebody and some obviously somebody else is driving, but those are times that you can utilize for productive work. And and, and that has become something in the culture that I think is is very different to what it was even when the iPhone started in 2007, 2008, that kind of period. Uh, so it, it's become very much one of them sort of mainstays, I think, of iOS uses, you know, thinking about tasks and thinking about all that kind of stuff. And that that is not something that you do when you go back to your desk. You know, that was very much the kind of Palm Pilot world, if you if you like, where you would you would bring your Palm Pilot back and you would, you would put it in a cradle that was connected to your Mac via serial cable and you would sync the, the little tiny viewer that you've taken out into the world back to your master database on your Mac and uh, the world's very different now and, and, and everything's talking to cloud services and that's a that's really changed the way that task managers in particular are built yeah and also another another thing that we're starting to see now is um, 
support for uh, smartwatches, and in our case, the Apple Watch. And especially with watchOS 5, I think we've sort of uh, hit an inflection point in that we're starting to, th to see this sort of m moderately complex experiences on the watch, where developers can have uh, not only like the standalone app that now supports like more background tasks, but also richer notifications, like they can have notifications with custom UIs, or they can do shortcuts, like the watch is starting to be like a legitimate app platform, which is sort of a shame because so many developers have left because the first few versions of watchOS and WatchKit, they were not good for developers. But I feel like with watchOS 5, sort of Apple, Apple is sort of a, on, a, on, a, on a good path. But I, I want to see, you know, uh, if bigger companies sort of reconsider support for the watch. But the apps that we're going to talk about today, at least two of them, they have excellent support for watchOS. Um, we should also talk about the, the, the big idea of that compared to a few years ago, to five or six years ago, we just have more ways to get our data to save tasks, to add information to a, to a task manager than before. Um, I think it all kind of started with um, with extensions, maybe, uh, with mm -hmm. iOS 8. So this will be yep. 20, 2014. Um, mm -hmm. The idea of you, you don't have to necessarily open the app to save something, to add something to the task manager. And then we moved on to onto widgets, for example, richer widgets that allow you to view information but also add uh, data uh, from places like the clipboard, for example. Um, then we get to SiriKit and the idea of, well, now your app, in addition to having a widget, in addition to having a share extension, now you can also save an item into your task manager just by talking to Siri. And it requires a syntax in that Siri doesn't let you change default apps. So if you want to use a task manager with Siri, you need to specify the name of the task manager itself. But still, uh, you can save data into things, you can save data into OmniFocus, you can, you can retrieve data as well. So you can say, show me my due tasks from things, for example, and we're going to talk about these features. Uh, but the idea of your voice assistant can now save data into, into your task manager and also uh, give you subsets of your tasks uh, whenever you want. Um, and then we move on to automation and things like URL schemes and X callback URL and workflow, now the shortcuts app. Uh, the idea of um, you can actually uh, program, uh, you know, these little scripts or these little automations that can save um, data into the task manager in a structured format. Uh, so you can have a title, you can have a due date, you can have maybe uh, an attachment even uh, on iOS, and you can create these workflows, these chains of actions that can do multiple things at once. And in fact, I think, Fraser, you uh, you wanted to mention um, that OmniFocus actually supports yes. entire templates <laughs> for this kind of stuff. Yeah, this, this is a, a very powerful technique, and uh, some people might know of a, a, a text-based format called Task Paper which it was an app in itself, but it also, the app is, you know, I think still, I think it's still available, but what seems to have almost outgrown the app is, is the text-based format that Task Paper uses. And OmniFocus now can import and export Task Paper formatted text and create OmniFocus structures from it. So there's, I use this a little bit with, uh, with shortcuts where I have scripts or, or shortcuts in the app where I've got little um, text templates of a kind of semi-project that I would do. So say, for example, a teacher in my school is going to be off a day. I would run this workflow and it would ask me questions about what teacher is going to be off and 
what day are they going to be off and so on. And then it would substitute all those variables into different places in this little task paper template and then send it all to OmniFocus. And then in OmniFocus, I would get this little sub project with the name of the teacher. It would say things like um, uh, check cover for Jenny for an, a day and check Jenny's not on interval duty or lunch duty and all these little things I had to check off before I, I could be sure that a teacher's tasks were covered for the day. Um, that was the kind of thing that I was using. I still am using task paper format for uh, in within in integration with workflow as well. So that's that's super cool. And and sometimes what I've done is I've also scripted the generation of large numbers of tasks if if I have to do that as well. And that's sending everything to OmniFocus by task paper is uh, is really helpful because you can send a large amount of items at once, and OmniFocus will ingest them all correctly. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, and the idea of automation also extends to the web. Uh, so we're starting to see these web services that uh, that offer uh, APIs. So if you have a task manager that lives on the web that has a web component, and if they offer an API, you probably can save data and you can automate tasks on the web using services like IFTTT or Zapier, for example. Um, and there's also the side of automation in iOS 12, which takes on a sort of a different concept in that you, you can have these simple shortcuts, these native shortcuts that apps can offer to the system to do things like um, open a specific list or, or launch the user into a specific project or uh, show me. A specific project. So, for example, um, in Todoist, I believe today they just shipped an update, and I think it's the same in Things, where once you open a project, once you open a specific view in the app, um, Siri uh, later will recommend in Search or in Settings to add one of those projects to uh, as a shortcut, and you will be able to say, uh, "Show me the tasks from today" or any other custom phrase, and you will be able to retrieve these these custom lists inside Siri with an interface with the, with the UI inside Siri instead of having to launch the app. Um, and also, because we mentioned uh, web APIs, uh, we should also consider the fact that increasingly these days we're seeing these um, apps sort of turn to the web, not just for automation, but also to integrate with smart speakers, for example. So we have speakers from Amazon and Google uh, and, and the related services such as the Google Assistant, um, but also to actually offer web apps and web versions that you can use from a desktop browser. Uh, so Todoist has one and OmniFocus is working on, they're working on one, which is, I think it's in beta right now. I, I don't yes, have- Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't have access. Um, so finally, uh, to sort of round out these major trends, um, we we mentioned widgets on, on iOS. Um, do, do you use them much? Do you find yourself using widgets um, much? I, I use a, a particular, in OmniFocus, it lets you choose different perspectives. And a perspective is a kind of, in OmniFocus, it's a kind of filtered view of your database. And you can, in OmniFocus widget, you can put one of those. And I have a specific one, which is called Today. And what it does is it pulls out you know, things that are due today or due tomorrow and things that are flagged and so on. So you can sort of build a daily agenda of tasks based on that. Um, so I, I've used that quite a lot, but I, I still feel like I could get more out of widgets if they were more in your face on iOS. You know, they're always kind of off to the side um, from the home screen or the lock screen. And I think it would be, it'd be an interesting development in the future for iOS to maybe bring them more front and center if the user wanted them. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Uh, I'm intrigued to see whatever Apple does to the home screen next year. Um, 
three more uh, before we actually talk about these apps. Um, natural language support. So the idea of when you're entering a task, um, you can you can enter details such as due dates or lists or notes or locations without having to tap around into multiple fields. You can just you know use something like the fantastical syntax. So something like I don't know, download movie tonight at 10 p.m hashtag personal and it will be you know the the date and the project bits will be extracted from the sentence so that you will have a fully formatted task uh written in natural language instead of having to do something like uh in the apple calendar app where (laughs) when you need to add a new event you need to select all these different fields which can be quite slow and which is why people really like fantastical because it lets you just type in in natural language um Tagging and filtering. I think these have really become um, features that advanced users expect from their task manager. The ability to tag items in multiple ways so that a task can be in a project but also can have multiple tags at the same time. And the idea of creating, uh, call it a filter, call it a smart, uh, smart folder or a saved search, but the idea of creating these lists that collect items from multiple projects, but that share common criteria in the form of tags, usually. Um, that's, that's a huge f- feature in the new OmniFocus 3. That's, that's perhaps the major feature in that in that version of the app is the fact that they've taken away a previous structure that they had, which we'll talk about when we get to OmniFocus, but they've, they've brought in tagging and they were always quite resistant to doing that because it wasn't necessarily a sort of doctrinaire GTD feature was the tag as such, but they've you know, they've bent to the pressure that everybody else is doing it. And a lot of people just sort of reflexively look for the ability to tag things and then find things as uh, as part of any data retrieval system, whether it be the finder or, or, or a, a task list as well. And uh, finally, I think we can all agree that at this point, syn- uh, syncing items between multiple devices and platforms is mostly a solved problem. Like, we don't have to think about it anymore, whether it's based on iCloud or a proprietary system. Um, it's At this point, it's weird when you see an app that doesn't have sync, especially when it's a task manager. Like... The idea of a task manager or also a note-taking app that doesn't sync is just absurd at this point. And it, it was novelty 10 years ago. Now it's just, uh, it just like, if I see something that doesn't sync, it's just in- incredible. I, I don't use it. I think that there was a time where we were not really sure what an iPhone was. And, and we didn't know whether this was like a second computer. You know, in, in the days before, some people had a laptop and a desktop. And we all sort of accepted the limitations of there being state and data on both different devices. And in the early days of iPhone, we weren't really sure, I don't think, whether or not the the phone was like another computer. But I think what's increasingly obvious is that all of our machines, all of our hardware, whether laptops, desktops, phones, tablets, whatever, watches, they are all clients of a bigger system called the cloud. And and it's really that that has, in a way, has devalued a little bit desktops and laptops and made them more on an even playing field with phones and, and tablets as well. And I think that's a lot of that is due to sync just being solved now. And it's been a long time since I've heard of anybody who said to me, Oh, I turned on sync and then I lost all my stuff. You know, we seem to have as an industry gotten a lot better at not having these sync disasters that we used to have. And we did used to have you know, real, real disasters with that kind of thing. And now it's, it seems to be quite rare. 
Yeah, it's you, you don't hear about, you know, people saying, oh, my God, my task manager lost all my data. Uh, you know, you don't hear those stories anymore. And you could say the same about photo management, for example. I think it's just become, you know, uh, all these major companies that have gotten better at deploying their infrastructures and web services. And and this used to be common, like I lost all my tasks or I lost all my notes, but now it doesn't, doesn't happen as often anymore. Um, all right, so we're going to cover uh, four apps that sort of... Um, span all of these trends um, and I wanted to start with things uh, because I feel strongly that things both on iOS and, and the Mac but especially on iOS I feel like it's the most elegant app of, of this collection and it feels to me as if um, things is, is the task manager that Apple would design if they had a second shot at designing a task manager these days um, it, it very much looks like an app designed inside of Apple. Uh, it fully embraces the design style of iOS 10 and iOS 11 with the, you know, with San Francisco as a font and the large headlines. Uh, it looks really clean, really polished. But also, th all the animations are uh, exquisitely done. Uh, they are uh, the entire app is super smooth. Uh, but it's not that kind of animations and transitions that are mostly like just eye candy, but that also contextual in in a, in the sense that when you add something to things for example you see like a brief flash of color uh, that sort of highlights the item and i think that's really useful because it sort of it makes the app more fun but also it adds context to 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 the interaction of what is otherwise a blank screen of you know a white background and black text um, and the idea the main idea of things is that it wants to be a relaxing environment. Um, unlike all the other task managers, uh, it doesn't make your overdue tasks red. Uh, it just rolls them over to the next day. Um, so, um, and, and the second design principle is that you can organize your main view in today and this evening. And functionally, they are the same list. They are the same list for the current day. But the idea would be that in, in the interface, they are separated with an actual separator. Uh, today, as a, as a star icon, and this evening as a moon. Um, the idea being that you can organize your day for stuff that needs to be done during the day and stuff that can wait until the evening. And what the evening means, it's fully up to you. Like, back when I used to use things... I saved like um, low intensity, so to speak, tasks for the evening because maybe I have like 45 minutes after dinner that I, you know, when I, when I'm preparing stuff for the next day. And then if I need to, I don't know, change the battery of my wireless camera, I can do that in the evening. Um, so the separation of today and this evening combined with the fact that overdue tasks uh, don't make you feel bad and the elegant design, I really feel like managing tasks in things is really a pleasure like it it doesn't make you feel bad if you skip something which is this is a very opinionated type of app that doesn't work for many people because of these very design choices like if you need to be extremely sort of on schedule with your projects if you manage a large team if you need to collaborate with people and meet deadlines this is probably not the app for you. But this is more on the, I'm looking for a task manager that can become sort of complex because things supports uh, tags and projects and areas. Like 
it supports notes and deadlines, but at the very core, it's meant to sort of scale gracefully from day to day without making you feel bad if you if you if you don't accomplish all of the tasks on the on the current day and also it just it just wants to look great and not like a project management tool but more like uh, a beautiful note-taking app uh, mm -hmm. I, I think it's the best way and that that's I can important. describe it you know that, that's important and i think that a major sort of aspect of of task-based productivity on any platform is how how things appear to you when you are a bit overwhelmed you know and sometimes you, you can open an app with OmniFocus and everything's red <laughs> it's just like there's a bloodbath here and you know um and and the, the sort of visual appearance and subtlety i think is actually really important for in a way for sort of keeping people on task or, or on the system and still using their task manager rather than sort of going numb to it because it's just so overwhelming and it's all red and everything's overdue and it's a disaster. Um, that kind of subtle design, I think, is more important than people sometimes give it credit for. Yeah, I think so. And when I was, when I was using Things, uh, I really felt like um, there was no pressure pressure inside of the app. It just felt like, like it was okay to skip a day or not to complete all my tasks. Um, I should also mention that Things... Um, stands out on iOS because it fully embraces uh, local automation. So Things doesn't have a web component. It's a Mac, iPhone, and iPad and Apple Watch app. Uh, and it's sort of, uh, it, it's distributed on the App Store the old-fashioned way. So you buy a Mac app, you buy an iPhone app, and you buy an iPad app. And the lack of a universal client on iOS may be problematic because of iOS 12 and shortcuts, uh, with universal apps, you can set up the same app shortcut once and it works everywhere. With things, you have mm. to recreate the same shortcut on two different platforms. Because, because it's two different bundles. Yeah. 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 So that may be a problem. But otherwise, um, it fully embraces automation uh, with X callback URL and actually even JSON. So you can, if you really know what you're doing, you can send JSON data uh, and sort of you can, you can make your project templates in shortcuts and send them to send them to things which is really really cool um it also has the the absolute best um external keyboard control that i've seen on on ipad um this is not like the the usual task manager stuff that you have a bunch of shortcuts and that's it you can actually navigate the entire app with, with your keyboard so it supports selection of items and multi-selection of multiple items. Um, you can perform actions, you can expand like stuff like pop-ups, uh, and you can close them. So you can actually interact with the interface instead of just performing commands, which is a, which is a powerful idea. Yeah, that is App powerful. Apple should do this for the entire iOS. Um, and I also want to mention iOS 12 uh, support. Uh, things offer shortcuts, so you can view specific lists in shortcuts, and uh, you can set up the quick entry panel of things as a template, so you can create a shortcut that says um, pre-fill the quick entry with the contents of the clipboard, and you can and you can assign a Siri phrase to this shortcut. So the next time that you copy something, uh, you can just invoke Siri and the stuff that you copied will become a task in things. But also you can copy multiple lines of text. And if you do that, the first line will be the title and the subsequent lines will be either the notes or a checklist. So it's quite powerful. You, you, you can just copy stuff and then invoke Siri and that, that's it. Um, 
And finally, for real, there's a Siri watch face integration. Um, we took a look at this on Mac Stories. I think Ryan had a story about uh, th uh, things uh, 3.7 is the last version. Uh, it's the Apple Watch integration is not great in that you only have a, I think you only have a single card on the Siri Watch Face that gives you like a summary. Uh, but it's a really brief summary, and it could be it could be expanded a little more. But as a first uh, as a first integration, I think it gets the job done. Does, does it have another complication that you can use as well? Or is it oh, just yeah, the totally. Siri face? It, it does yeah. have complications, but it also has one of those new fancy cards for the Siri yeah. face. Yeah. Yeah, I see OmniFocus claims to have that, but I haven't been able to make it work so far. But yeah, maybe yeah. I'm looking for the wrong thing. No, sure. I, I think that's actually common. We, um, our Alex on Mac Stories, he, he was in charge mm. of reviewing WatchOS five, but he couldn't mm. get any of the uh, Siri Watch Face <laughs> integrations to work. So, yeah. not sure what's going on. Wait for another update for a lot of those apps. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we I move? talk about reminders? Yes, I want to yeah. cover reminders really quick. Um, so we did an episode of my other podcast, App Stories, about reminders clients on iOS, and I cannot possibly mention them all again. Uh, but I wanted to cover reminders here because it's interesting that for for two reasons. One is Apple ships a basic tax manager on iOS by default for free. Um, so it's not a great app. It hasn't been updated since iOS 7, basically. Um, but it works with Siri, and it works with iCloud, and it supports sharing with other people. Uh, but otherwise, it's really bad in that it doesn't support any of the modern iOS functionalities. Stuff like, uh, besides the design, which is extremely dated, uh, it doesn't support, for example, tagging. Uh, you cannot tag any of your reminders. It doesn't support um, file attachments from iCloud Drive. It doesn't have a knowledge of uh, what a file attachment could ever be because it's basically it's built upon the calendar system. So I'm pretty sure that your reminders are actually ICS files <laughs> uh, under the hood. So it's like they're they're slightly customized calendar events essentially, um, and, and also like it's just clunky to use uh, changing the information about a reminder such as the date or the location, it takes so many taps uh, because the, it's it's really not meant for the type of interaction that we're used to in that there's either natural language support or uh, inline menus. Reminders doesn't have any of that. Um, so why do I mention reminders? Um, first, because it's free and because with Siri, it means you can at least create new reminders via voice without having to use a, a different syntax. Uh, you can just say remind me to and dictate your reminder. But also because Reminders is not just an app on your device, it's also a framework for third-party developers to use. It's the Reminders can be a database for Reminders clients. And so this past summer, um, for a variety of reasons, I've been using uh, a client for Reminders as my main task manager. And the name of the app is Good Task. Uh, and I think it's Good Task version 3, even though on the App Store it's Good Task 3 version 4.1, <laughs> because, good because Good Task 3 as a, as, a, as a major release had four updates so far. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, yeah. Um, it's like iOS or macOS 10.13. Yeah, basically that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Good Task is both on iOS and macOS, and it's essentially a, a more powerful interface for reminders. Uh, 
it allows you to do things with reminders uh, that still use reminders as a database, but these features are not supported in the Apple app. So you can create uh, smart lists, for example, and you can apply tags to your reminders. And you may ask, how do you apply tags? Uh, Good Tasks saves um, plain text into the note field of a reminder, and it can extract, uh, for example, a, t- a tag is a hashtag. So if you enter hashtag writing into a reminders note, note field, good task will see that as a tag. And then you can use these tags to construct these smart lists, um, which accept multiple criteria for filtering down your list of reminders. So uh, for example, I have, a, I have a smart list for tasks about writing that are due uh, within the next three days. And you can save these lists, which are only accessible through good task, uh, but the actual items that the list filter for, your reminders are saved everywhere in iCloud because they are based on the reminder system. Um, and I really like the way that good task sort of uses reminders as a location to store tasks, but the interface is completely different. So you have uh, you have smart lists, you have sh- support for Siri shortcuts in iOS 12, uh, you have quick actions uh, to sort of have a, have a menu for actions that you frequently perform on a task. It's really, really good. And all of your settings are synced between iOS and, and the Mac with iCloud. So all of these custom things that you that you do in good task will be synced between devices. Um, if you want to use reminders because maybe you really like Siri or you have like me, three HomePods, uh, and you're crazy enough to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) If you want to use reminders but don't like reminders, my suggestion is to get a different app. And right now, I think the best app that you can get is GoodTask. That's very interesting. I hadn't actually looked into very deeply the possibility of there being other clients for the Reminders app. I was actually just teaching a class about Reminders today in school to our new secondary school class, and these are where kids come up from primary school and I'm sort of trying to make them into productive iPad users. And it's, uh, I could probably sell that course in terms of uh, how much, uh, how much sort of iPad knowledge. It's kind of like a mini canvas that I do in, in school. It's quite mm-hmm. cool. Um, but we were, we were looking at reminders and I sort of, <laughs> I started doing the lesson. I was like, mm, this lesson might not take very long because there's not that much to say about reminders. Um, but it's, it's very much in the, in the sort of old fashioned style of iOS, you know, in the same way that calendar is a little bit in that when you, when you make a, a new event in your calendar, you sort of have to fill in this form in order to do it. And, and reminders can be a little bit the same way compared to uh, one of the points I was wanting to make earlier about the kind of new world of task managers, a big, big thing in the whole field is is fast entry into the system, not just through shortcuts and, and extensions of things, but even just um, a, a quick and simple way to get stuff into your database. And I remember that in the early days of OmniFocus, that was a huge issue was how long it took for the app to start up because the phones were slow back then and then there was quick the quick entry screen was just there because it could be loaded faster than the rest of the database and stuff like that. Um, and now we're in, in a much uh, much more powerful world. And, and apart from Siri integration, Reminders hasn't really kept up in terms of quick user interface as well. Yeah, it's really, it's really a shame that we're still using this design from five years ago, essentially. Yeah. I yeah. really hope that... Uh, reminders eventually gets the Apple Notes treatment that Apple Notes got a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, it needs to get that love, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Federico, let me tell you about a new sponsor for the show. This episode of Canvas is brought to you in part by our friends over at Hover. Because building your online identity has never been more important. And with Hover, you'll find the domain that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. And Federico, you have obviously had a, a week of... Uh, 
people hammering your website for mm. your new product, which is your iOS 12 review. And I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a little bit about how that's going and, and how Mac Stories came to be your domain. Mm. Uh, I'll tell you that if I knew if I knew about Hover or if Hover existed, I'm not sure if it was around uh, 10 years ago, I would have used it because when I started Mac Stories, um, I had no idea what I was doing basically and I and I bought the domain from uh, this Italian register that it, the interface was really, really terrible and I started Mac Stories because I, I didn't know what else to do. I had... I was I got fired from my previous job. I was working, and I told this story before. I was working at, uh, at a physical eBay store. It was like a store where people brought things they wanted to sell on eBay, but they didn't have the time to do so. And it was way before you know eBay was on the iPhone, and it got really easy to put up something for sale. Um, so people used to bring stuff, and and we would put it online. Uh, and then I got fired and I thought, you know, I really like spending time on, on forum boards with other people talking about Apple stuff. Maybe I should write my own blog. But the problem was that I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing with web design, with domain registration. Um, if I were to start today, you know, um, having having a good service for registering your domain and, you know, something like Hover that looks, looks really simple and it's really easy to set up. Uh, I remember using this Italian service and having to to call somebody on the phone because there was like you needed to communicate with an actual human being to for some kind of certification process. It was incredibly bad. So uh, if I were to start today, I would seriously consider something like Over because it, uh, from all that I've seen and heard from other people, it really simplifies everything that is involved with domain management and registration. Uh, I didn't have the option 10 years ago, but if I were to start today, I would definitely consider it. Absolutely. Uh, one of the great things about Hover, I think, is that they keep, it lets you keep your domain name separate from your hosting service. And I suppose as the, as the evolution of your site has gone on, and I certainly thinking about my own blog and website and things that I've had for years, and also my email, I've been able to move them to better and better services as time has gone on while keeping my, keeping my domain name separate. And that's one of the great things that Hover lets you do as well. Yeah, totally. As I was, I was talking earlier about teaching, and, and one of the things I also do is I teach... Uh, I teach children about the structure of the internet and how domain names work and things like that. And one of the things about Hover that's really great is when you hit the when you hit the um, uh, the, the page where you search for your domain, it's not full of ads and junk and things like that. And it lets you just see very clearly what domains are available, how much they cost, and then you have all the sort of classic domains and the niche extension domains and so on. And that's something I've I've always used Hover in the classroom actually, as it happens, um, even you know way before I've done that for years um, and what that lets me do is in the classroom, I can just set the kids off and I can say, okay, search for this, search for that. And they can experiment and see what kind of domains they can build. And Hover is just a great simple interface for doing that kind of thing as well. So if you want to let the world know what you're passionate about, Hover is really there to help you make that first step. You can head to hover.com slash canvas right now and get 10% off your first purchase. And some, some domains are more expensive than others. And that's one of the teaching points that we do. Uh, but 10% off your first purchase is going to be a big deal. So thank you to Hover for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Now, Federico, I'm going to talk a little bit about OmniFocus over the years because I have been I've been on the OmniFocus train as as long-time listeners to the show will know I've been an OmniFocus user since well, really since before it was OmniFocus. And and Ooh. I'll tell a, li- a, a little bit of a story about that, which is that um back in the early, early, early days of well, honestly, because OmniFocus was a Mac app before it was an iOS app. 
and in the early days of sort of GTD becoming current, one of the things that I had done a little bit of and, and published some of it was um, a set of Apple scripts that were built on top of Omni Outliner. Really? Where, which, huh. yeah, this is, this is a true story, right? Um, and uh, that was something I had put out on the web years and years ago. And it just did things like you could run an Apple script and it would, it, 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 I can't even remember what it would do, but it would do things like it would mark certain items as being done or overdue because they had a, a thing in a column that was different to what the day was and things like that. And it would color in different boxes using Apple script support in, uh, in on the outliner. And then I, I don't want to, I don't want to oversell this, right. But not based on my scripts, but certainly perhaps informed by some of the stuff that I had done. A guy called Ethan Schoonover made a thing called kinkless GTD, which was mm-hmm. a, a very complicated and much more like pro- a productized set of Apple scripts for on the outliner that, really did proper GTD with on the on the outliner through uh, using Apple scripts and things like that on on the Mac and then from kinkless GTD and came the idea for OmniFocus and the, and then now we are where we are so I, I've certainly been looking at this kind of thing uh, using Omni products for many many years before it even became OmniFocus 1.0 so I've kind of been on this train and I've watched this particular product develop with a lot of interest because I've been a user for a very long time and uh, I just want to be clear, I'm not saying that I invented OmniFocus because that's by far not true, but <laughs> I, I was certainly was involved in the kind of Omni app world and scripting and, and trying to build a GTD-like thing out of the existing tools at the time. And I, I never did very much with it, but Ethan Schoonover did a ton more and, and really, really popularized that. And I believe at one point, um, Kinkless GTD was actually part of the test suite for AppleScript inside Apple because it might have been at that time one of the most complicated sets of Apple scripts that were publicly available anywhere in the world. Uh, so that was the early days of OmniFocus. But OmniFocus is on version three now, and uh, the iOS version has been out for a couple of months, I think maybe a little bit longer. And, and version three from macOS is just about to ship. I think at the time we're recording, it's about maybe a week or two weeks away from shipping. And OmniFocus has always been a very, very strict getting things done application you know it, it very much allowed you to follow strictly the david allen book which from 2001 or whatever and that's always been its kind of core selling point is if you want to quote do gtd OmniFocus has got your back in that respect and i think what what's is very interesting about version 3 for mac os is that or, or for for ios and mac os is that OmniFocus is starting to move away from strict adherence to gtd and I think partly that's because GTD itself hasn't really survived the test of time in the same way that maybe some other productivity systems might have. And in particular, one of the things that I think GTD has struggled to keep up with the modern world is the idea of contexts. And and in GTD parlance, in, in the in the David Allen book, a context is is a requirement that has to be satisfied in order for you to do a certain task. So, for example, if you want to cut the grass, you obviously have to be in the context of being at home on a day when it's not raining, let's say. And I think for many people who who do a lot of kind of knowledge-based work and they're working very much in the cloud, it actually doesn't matter where you are and, and you've always got a device that lets you do work. So the idea of there being um, some context where you can do certain work and some context where you can't seems to have almost collapsed in our modern world because we can do any of our jobs from virtually anywhere. And that's uh, that's something that GTD as a concept, I think, hasn't really come to terms with. And OmniFocus in, in the way it's been developed in version three is they've, they've left context behind 
and they've turned to tags. Now, other apps like you've mentioned, Federico, um, things have been on tags for a long time and a, and a lot of competing task management apps have always used tags rather than strict GTD contexts. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why Omni might have moved over towards tags and, and partly probably because I bet every day 100,000 people email them and say, please, could we get tagging in OmniFocus? And it's sort of like, wait, fine, here you are. Here's tagging in OmniFocus. Um, but what what tagging lets you do is instead of, you're only ever able to assign one context to a task in, in OmniFocus. So you, a task was in a project and the task also had a context, which was some requirement that had to be satisfied for that task to become active, if you like. And that was used in OmniFocus to produce things called perspectives, which are kind of like smart searches or saved searches for your database. And those things have gotten way more powerful now because of tagging rather than just context and projects, which has always been the way that OmniFocus has done it. So that's one of, the, one of if not the big feature of OmniFocus 3 is, is tagging. And as a result of that, there's now a number of things you can do when you want to create a perspective or a saved search in OmniFocus, which is much more complex. Uh, and you can actually build... Uh, quite a complex search query, if you like, right in the interface that lets you pull out different aspects of your tagging and things like that. So you have, you can search for things like um, items which are untagged, obviously. Um, the tags can have active status or hold status. So you can hold a whole tag so that anything that is tagged with a certain tag will go on hold and it won't become an active task that you could do or see in, in an active perspective. Um, you can also have um, tagged with any of or tagged with all of. So you can do and or or searches across your whole database for things that are tagged, you know, priority A and priority B or anything that's just tagged priority A and home or something like that. So you can, you can now slice and dice your database very finely by having searches saved for different kinds of tag groups and, and uh, combinations of tags as well. So that's, that's going to be really powerful when, when people get their head into that as well. Hmm. Yeah. I've been, I've been keeping an eye on on these new features uh, of OmniFocus. I feel like I don't need something as complex as OmniFocus, but the new the new uh, filtering stuff and tags it looks really good. That's the kind of features that I could spend hours sort of customizing to my liking. Oh, and and the OmniFocus community absolutely does. For uh, like the the biggest thing is sort of you know, show me your perspective, show me your perspectives, and and it's that. That's kind of the, the currency in the OmniFocus world is, is what the best perspectives are for different things. Um, so I think you can also have hierarchical tags as well. I don't know if Things supports hierarchical tags, but in OmniFocus, you can have tags within tags. So you can have a priority tag and then you can have A, B, C and urgent or whatever, um, different things like that. Or you can have, um, you know, agendas and then all the people, you know, so you could find anything that had any agenda attached to it or you could find anything that was tagged with a certain person's name that you had to talk to them about and so on. So there's lots of different ways you can cut that. And I think that's always been um, one of the perhaps more challenging aspects of OmniFocus is that you sort of, uh, they do have a starter database that you can look at, but it's often sort of like, I've got this bare database and I, from my needs, have to build up a structure that suits my needs. And I think in, in many ways, that's the, the area of OmniFocus that people kind of end up sort of uh, going round and round and round on is, Am I using the right folder structure? Am I using the right project structure? Have I got the right tags? And and that can be a source of kind of angst because in a way, OmniFocus is, it, at least within the GTD framework, it's not a very opinionated program. It's very much, 
here are the moving parts and now you go and build whatever you want with that. And people build very, very different omnifocused databases depending on, um, I suppose, in a way, their personality, the way they think, and also the needs of their particular job, which makes it a very applicable tool to lots of people and appealing. But um, you have to sort of be prepared to produce a certain level of complexity for yourself um, in order to get the most out of OmniFocus. And that's always been, in a way, its challenge as well. The final app that I want to cover, Fraser, is Todoist. Um, we mentioned this one because it's the uh, more popular cross-platform service. Uh, if you're using a task manager these days, and if you're expecting your task manager to work on the Mac, on iOS, Android, Windows, uh, it's very likely that you're using Todoist. Um, it's become the really popular choice for anybody who wants to make sure that they have a task manager management service that can follow them around. And the, the big advantage of Todoist um, is the fact that it's a web service with an open API. So... Um, the service can integrate not just with um, external uh, services and, and hardware, stuff like the Google Home speakers or the Amazon Echo speakers, but they also allow you, the, the APIs of Todoist uh, allow you to write your own integrations. So, for example, you can, you can take advantage of this in Zapier, or in, F in IFTTT, but really, if you want to get down to the you know to the actual nitty gritty of Todoist, you can write your own scripts, uh, whether it's in JavaScript or whether you're using uh, web APIs in shortcuts on iOS 12. Uh, you can save data and you can get data from Todoist um, just by using the API. So the main idea of this service is that it's a it's a task management layer that you have on your desktop, you have on your phone, on your watch, on your iPad, and on any other well, device that has a web browser that can run a web service. And it's really everywhere. Like, they have Chrome extensions. They they used to have Safari extensions. I think they have a Mac app. They have a Slack integration. They have a Trello integration. Like, because it's an, because it's an open web service, they can add Todoist sort of as a feature anywhere they want. That's the basic idea. Yeah. Um, you have to-do lists inside your to-do lists inside your task management programs. Yes. Yes, basically. Um, on iOS, it's a decent app. It's gotten better uh, over the years. It used to be really, uh, really poor in terms of, you know, when you use a web service and they have an iPhone app, but it really feels like a web service. It used to be like that. Now it's not like that anymore. It's not as elegant as things, uh, but I think it's, it's more than okay. And they support uh, the latest iOS features, uh, usually quite on time on launch day. They, iOS 12 came out on on Monday and they added support for shortcuts on Tuesday. So uh, okay. they they are pretty pretty awesome in terms of adopting the latest uh, iOS APIs. Um, I like two things about Todoist. In addition to the fact that when I used to to be on Todoist, I was going crazy with the API, crazy in the sense that I really loved the idea of scripting my task manager from everywhere. Uh, I loved the idea of making my own scripts that talk to the API. I I really can get into that stuff and, and spend days writing my own integrations. Uh, but I also like two things. Um, one of them is collaboration. The idea that uh, because it's web service, multiple pe people can collaborate. Uh, you can leave comments on other people's tasks. Tasks You can share an entire project with somebody else and you can collaborate on the same task by leaving comments, by uploading attachments. Uh, you can actually delegate and assign tasks to each other. This is one of the best features of Todoist, really. Um, yeah, that's really powerful. 
and also uh, the idea of uh, tags and filtering is applied in Todoist. So you can uh, you can use multiple tags uh, when you're creating a Todoist uh, task, and then you can create these filters that allow you to filter your your um, Todoist view uh, by different criteria. And in the old version of Todoist, it used to be quite clunky. Um, the way that you added and managed uh, sort of and, and accessed these filters, now it's still clunky to create them because you have to follow like a specific syntax with a bunch of columns and, and characters. But there's a guide on the web that you can follow to understand how it works. I wish that it, w that it was more visual, how you can put together these filters. But now, what's better than before before is that you can save these filters in the main sidebar. So the main sidebar of the app, uh, you can you can uh, intermix, I think, projects and filters at the same level. And so that makes it really fast to sort of uh, navigate from a project to a to a sub view of with the with the filter applied. I really like it and I don't use it anymore. But if you're looking for a task manager that is more like a web service and it runs everywhere and also allows you to go crazy with APIs and collaborate with people to do is probably your best option. Yeah, to do the collaboration part of Todoist has always been, I, I thought, one of the more interesting parts. And uh, I know that the OmniFocus team are sort of trying to build in a thing called shared tasks, which is um, they're trying to do a little bit of that. But I think it's it's obviously much easier to do that kind of thing when you're dealing with a a web service and clients to a web service in the sort of Google Docs style, rather than you know Omni still work very much in the sort of uh, traditional Mac style where there's a file here and there's a file there and they're doing a, a, an admirable job of trying to kind of sync parts of data between different people's files but it's not quite the same thing um, the, the cloud component of OmniFocus is very much sort of we're syncing through that service rather than we're talking to that service as we work in the app and it's that's a, a still an interesting distinction between those things yeah yeah Federico I think this has been a very interesting you know when we thought about this this episode, I thought of it as sort of almost like a reminiscence or a review of all the years of iOS because these task managers have been such a, a fundamental part of the platform for so long and they were very early. They were some of the most sophisticated apps back in the early days of iPhone and they're certainly uh, uh, much, much more powerful now. And I think in many ways, you know, we've talked before, Federico, about the idea that iOS apps need to be full apps and not just viewers or companion apps to desktop yep. apps or websites. And I think we've really gone past that point in, in task managers where in many ways, the iOS version of OmniFocus is the OmniFocus and the Mac version very much comes along for the ride and eventually gets the features. You think about all this tagging stuff in OmniFocus 3, that all came very much on iOS first and then on the Mac. And I think this is a category, and I know things is very similar, that this is a category where iOS is is the main platform and you know other the mac the web whatever comes very much a, a reasonably distant second i would say and and that's something you know, i think you and i would both like to see in many other categories as well yeah absolutely and i agree yeah. that's totally the kind of change that we've gone through so yeah. it's very different from a few years ago absolutely so federico people can get the show notes for this episode at relay.fm slash canvas slash 70 um, because this will be episode 70 when it gets up there. Yes. <laughs> uh, we <laughs> rewind for the explanation of that if nobody heard it. Um, and we've talked about uh, things. We've talked about OmniFocus. We've mentioned Reminders as well. And we've talked about Todoist. And I think each one of these different apps gives you a different thing. So there's certainly plenty of space in the, in the ecosystem for all of these different apps. 
Uh, so I hope some everybody can find something that they like in there. Yeah. Federico, we'll leave it there. This has been episode 70. You can contact the show on Twitter. We're at underscore Canvas FM. I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter. On Twitter, Federico is Vitici, and we'll be back with you next show. <laughs>